we give glory and praise unto the Lord our God who is worthy to be praised. Come on, we don't stop praying just because we're shifting in the service. We continue to give God praise for truly he is worthy of all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Good morning to you, Sardis Temple, those in the building and those online. Good morning to Abundant Hope, those in the building and those online. We are indeed glad to be able to come into the house of the Lord to worship ye with one another. And as Minister Christmas said, I need y'all to pray me through on this morning as I do what the Lord has called me to do. Now the scripture has been read for your hearing, but we're going to read it again. It can be found in the 22nd chapter of Luke. The 22nd chapter of Luke. Good morning to you, musicians. God bless you. We're starting at verse 39. We will end at verse 53. I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible, and it reads, Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Help us, Lord. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground when he arose up from prayer. <laughs> When he rose up from prayer, when he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray unless you enter into temptation. And while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When those around him saw what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus answered and said, Permit even this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, captains of the temple, and the elders who had come to him, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you daily in the temple, you did not try to seize me, but this is your hour in the power of darkness. The word of God is blessing. If I could have a thought, theme, or topic on this morning, it would be serving with excellence while dealing with brokenness. Serving with excellence while dealing with brokenness. Father God, in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus, I ask right now, Lord God, that you decrease to marrow, Lord God, and you increase your Holy Spirit within me, Lord, that as I stand behind this sacred desk, oh God, to declare what thus saith the Lord, that you will give me your power and give me your anointing and give me clarity, give your people wisdom and understanding to receive what you have sent for us on this morning. God, I pray that your word will not return unto you void, oh God, but that it will accomplish what you set forth for it to do. God, even stay the hand of the enemy. God, control the technology that there are no disruptions. God, have your way. God, have your way in this place, oh God. And I pray that you receive this act of worship from my heart to yours, oh God. And God, I pray that this word will enact change in each and every one of us. And God, I pray that that word begins in me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may have your seats in the presence of the Lord. And I know I have it done this in quite some time, but I've been dealing with some warfare. So if you don't mind, I want to sing a little portion of this song, amen, before going into the word on this morning. Let praise Jesus rise from the inside, from the inside of me. May you Delight in the inside, in the inside of me. Say. 
uh, and the breaking of his bed and the bread and the, the breaking of his body and the shedding of his blood. We find the disciples foolishly arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And God is like the greatest of you is that the one who can humble himself enough to serve. It continues to go on and Jesus is sitting there breaking bread with them, letting them know that my betrayer is about to do his job. Not only that, but he warns Simon and honestly, he warns all of the disciples that the enemy has asked for you, but that I am praying for you. Is there anybody excited in the house on today to know that even when the enemy asks for you and even when God gives him permission, Christ is still praying for you. He's still upholding you. He's still comforting you. He's still leading you and he's still guiding you. The enemy can only do what God gives him permission and I am grateful unto God that he don't give him full permission. He is on at least so even when you see him coming know at the appointed time I'm a father will pull a leash and tell him that's enough so we hear we find we find it they're going on the road just walking through the first half of 22 and it comes we come to this particular portion of the scripture and it says coming out from having handled the Passover it says he went to the Mount of Olives, as was his custom, and his disciples also followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And when I was reading this, one of the, uh, the applications that the Lord gave to me was this. You'll see in verse 39 and 40, you are always responsible for walking in spiritual excellence because you are always being followed. Whether in person and nowadays on social media, somebody is always following you. And watch the faithfulness or lack thereof of the ones following you does not excuse you from upholding your posture. Oftentimes we like to say, well, I did this because they did that and I didn't do this because they didn't do that. And Jesus teaches us here. He went into the garden to pray, knowing full well that the 12 that were with him were all about to leave his side, all of us too. They were about to deny him. They were about to be like, I don't even know this man. Yet he called them to continue to go into the assignment with him, knowing that they were not going to uphold the bargain, knowing that even when in this moment, when he tells them to pray, they're going to have the audacity to fall asleep when they're supposed to be on post. But Jesus still walks in his authority and walks in his assignment in a mindset of excellence despite their, their lack in this moment. I need somebody to know you still got to do what God calls you to do even when everybody else is falling short. You can't use the excuse. They ain't doing it. Why are you worrying about what they're doing? If you're going to be a leader, if you're going to serve God, you got to set the standard. You got to be the one. Serving with excellence often causes you to lead others to their assignment, but then leaving them alone to fulfill it. I'm going to say that again. Serving with excellence often causes you to lead others to their assignment, but leaving them alone to fulfill it. It says that he brought them to this place and told them, you stay here and pray that you not enter into temptation. And he withdrew himself. Can I tell somebody on this morning, some of the frustration that you are feeling is not because you are not in the right path or not doing the right thing. But it's simply because you're trying to take people in a, into an assignment that is not meant for them. Maybe you need to allow, lead them to what they're supposed to do and withdraw yourself so that you can go further into what you were called to do. Jesus had to leave them there with instructions. And what I like about this, it doesn't say that he micromanaged them and went back to see whether or not he, they were praying. He just withdrew himself and he went to pray. He withdrew himself and he went before the master. He withdrew himself. And somebody on this morning needs to know that God has you in this wilderness moment. God has you in this broken season because he needs you to learn how to withdraw yourself so that you can hear from him, so that he can speak what it is that he has for you because watch this the assignment ain't always pretty the assignment isn't always doesn't always feel good the assignment doesn't always make you clap your hands and jump for joy sometimes the assignment calls you to cry out until your horse 
But sometimes you gotta leave people alone and let them fulfill it. Sometimes we like to handhold people and make sure they're doing what they're supposed to do. That's not our job. The Bible says that God who began the good work will complete it until the end of Jesus Christ. So he began the work. You got to teach them how to do the process and trust God for that outcome. You can't force somebody into the proper outcome. Only thing we can do is lead them to surrender so that they can fulfill their assignment. Jesus leaves them there and tells them, pray that you enter not into temptation. Now, if I could be honest, uh, Shirley, I was like, shouldn't the prayer on behalf of the disciples, kind of been automatic. I mean, because it, it says this is what's his custom. So they were used to Jesus going into the garden to pray. So I have to imagine, Giselle, this is not their first time accompanying him to the garden. These are his boys. These are the ones, the closest ones to him. That's not their first time going with him while he went to pray. Well, I got to tell you what to do when you confess your loyalty to me. Shouldn't that have been automatic? I can't, I can't imagine being Jesus because not only must he be in anguish with the weight of the assignment of dying for all of mankind, but as a friend. Can you imagine the anguish he felt that his friends in his harshest moment, failed him. He failed them and he failed to follow them. They failed to follow the instructions he gave them. Can you imagine how he had to feel knowing he's about to sacrifice his life for these same friends who before he even takes his last breath are going to deny him? Yet he still did it. He still sacrificed his life. He still surrendered to the will of the Father. That's what excellence is. Excellence is knowing what God has said. And although your flesh may not be in full agreement, you bring all things under, uh, under subjection and alignment to what God has called you to do so that the will of the Father is unfolded in your life and not the will of yourselves. And can I just say to somebody, maybe the tension that you are feeling is this season. It's not because we're still dealing with COVID. It's not because your people still getting on your nerves. It's not because school is hard. It's not because they don't appreciate you at the job. The tension you may be feeling in this moment may be because you're trying to do his will and not your own and, and you're doing things half-heartedly asking God to accept these pity and the worship that you give him. You ask God to accept this or half-hearted service and God is like, no, if you're going to serve me in spirit and truth, you got to walk in excellence. I know it's hard but get on up and do what I called you to do. I know they may not like you right now, but that ain't really your concern. If the ones who were supposed to accept the Savior were trying to vilify him and destroy him, find it not strange when you go through the same thing. But what I called you to do is to say, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Not my desires, God, yours be done. Not my purpose, God, but yours be done. And do it in a spirit of excellence. God ain't, ain't taking our half-hearted worship no more. He's not taking our half-hearted service no more. And some of the tension that we feel is because some of us are in the garden. <laughs> and instead of paying attention to the voice of the Father, we're looking back at the lack of the disciples around us. <clears throat> God's saying, even in this moment, stop looking around at what everybody else is doing. <clears throat> God, when they ain't never on time for praise and worship, that ain't your business. You be on time. <laughs> God, why won't we in praise and worship? They sitting here. You don't know what's on their heart. Ain't my mind your business. Pray and sing like I told you to. <laughs> Jesus knew that they weren't going to keep the assignment. He knew that his friends were going to fail him. But yet he still carried their names on him, their sins with him to the cross. Help me, Jesus. 
Yes, Lord. In this cancel culture, we got to get away from wanting to get rid of everybody just because they don't do things the way we desire to do, just because they have a difference of opinion, just because they don't walk your walk, just because they may have even said something that hurt you. God did not call us. When did the, the kingdom of God get caught up in this cancel culture and getting rid of people that God called us to disciple, that God called us to pour into, that God told us to carry, that God told us to bring closer to him through the way we live. And the truth be told, help me, Jesus, the truth be told, the world should be canceling some of us instead of us canceling them because we walk around in hypocrisy and we walk around perfecting Christ but live in the world. And what am I? They confused them why they don't want to come to church. Why would I want to come to church with you? And on Sunday, you praise it. On Tuesday, you cussing folk out. Why would I want to come to church with you? And on Sunday, you're giving a communion. But Wednesday, I see you drunk all over the place. We don't have we don't have time. I ain't serving God in excellence. You ain't giving God the glory with this nasty, polluted, infected worship and living that we're giving unto God. If you want to serve him, you gotta serve him with excellence. And I get sometimes we we lean to the wrong things that find the I don't know, no, this morning. Come on, let's walk through the text. We're just going to walk through the text, verses 41 and 42. This is what I saw when I read this. Serving with excellence, again, causes you to surrender your will for God's, despite the heaviness of your flesh. He said, Father, if it is your will, take this cup. That was a human response to the weight of the assignment on his life. But again, he surrendered for his will to God's. And here's something that I, that the Lord showed me in this text. Surrendering isn't automatic, but it is sacrificial. The Savior himself, I'm gonna tell somebody, stop beating up on yourself when you find yourself struggling, when you find yourself having a fearful thought, yes, we, we reject it, but some of us condemn ourselves so much that we get caught in this cycle of stagnation because we are upset with the amount that we're struggling with in our flesh. But can I tell you, even Jesus in his humanity struggled for a moment with accepting the assignment. Sometimes there was a struggle and the assignment, but what I love about this text is even with the struggle, hallelujah, even with the struggle, you're being strengthened. Some of us want to wait till we get out of the thing to give God glory. Some of us want to wait until we're delivered from a thing to give God our all. But can I suggest to you on today that God is not waiting for you to get out of it. He wants you to understand he's already in it with you and he's sending the appropriate help and the appropriate resources and the appropriate angels to strengthen you in your struggle. Somebody need to catch that. Stop throwing temper tantrums because you don't like the weight of assignment, but throw yourself into the assignment. Watch this and allow God to readjust the weight you carry. Some of the weight that we have is heavy because we're trying to carry it on our own, but the Bible says as he was praying, an angel appeared to him, strengthening him. I need you to understand, man of God, woman of God, child of God, God is not waiting to strengthen you when you get out. He's trying to strengthen you in it because he wants to, he wants you to serve. Even in this, Christ is still serving by taking all the assignments. But we praise God because he's sending an angel unto you to strengthen you and help you to readjust the weight that you're carrying. Could it be? that you're weighted down because 
Somebody say, get the greater glory. Get the greater glory. Watch this. Out of my suffering. Don't get the greater glory, God, once you bring me out. God, give me the greater glory while I'm still in it. Stop bemoaning and grumbling and complaining about your betrayal. Stop moaning and grumbling and complaining about the problems, about the attack, about the trials, and begin to bless God that he's strengthening you for and in the brokenness. Jesus in this moment is so anguished, his heart is broken, the weight is heavy, but the angel is strengthening him. I don't know who I'm talking to on this morning, but even in your car on the way over here, you were like, God, I'm really trying to do this way, but this thing, the way you told me, but really, God, I feel like walking away. Because every time I get to the precipice of breakthrough, it feels like something else pushes me back. Every time I get right there on the threshold of my deliverance, something else presses me back. Every time, God, I give you a yes, here come the enemy and his demeanor trying to take me out. God, I want to serve the excellence, but I'm so used to mediocrity that I don't know how to get past this day. God, I'm so used to a cold zone, I don't know how to get past this day. And child, God, can I tell you, God, tell on this morning, if you want to serve with excellence, if you would accept that brokenness is a part of the process, if you will hold fast into my head, if you will allow Opinion, I didn't ask for your help. Come here, Sarah. I didn't 
didn't ask you to give your, your maid servant Hagar to your husband. I said I was going to bless you with a son. I did not say I was going to bless you with a son through Hagar. I said I'm going to open your womb so that the son that, that I promised to Abram would come forth. And can I, I, just, I, just, I just feel the Holy Spirit saying this. Some of us are dealing with attention because we got some illegitimate things we gave birth to because we didn't really believe that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. So we laid up with some hangars and produced some instruments and we sit here scratching our head like, God, why all this hell breaking loose in my life? Well, he said, because you didn't follow the instructions. You tried to help me out. Behold, a multitude, and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? <laughs> Serving with excellence causes you to embrace your betrayers with no thought of retaliation. He let Judas kiss him. <laughs> we always talk about the fact that Judas came up to him and gave him a kiss. Now we know in, back then, like, like we do now, it was customary to greet your teacher or to greet one another with a brotherly kiss on the cheek. <laughs> but what do you think that the humanity of Jesus will try to stiff arm Judas. Like, nah, 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 no. I don't want your kiss. <laughs> yeah, nah, nah. Uh, because your kiss is about to cost me my life. Your kiss, this, this little hug, this little fake thing that you presenting to me, like you love me, like you, you trying to come back into the fold, like you really one of the 12 and you never really were one of the 12, but you trying to come up in and kiss me on my cheek like we all cool and everything is fine. No good ones all go well, you got them 30 silver, silver coins in your pocket, ready to go live your best life while you let them take away mine. No, but Jesus did not do that. He let Judas kiss him. <laughs> he let him. He embraced them. Why are we so quick to get rid of enemies? <laughs> you want to serve? We always say, God, I'm going to live like Jesus. Not if you ain't ready to embrace the betrayal. <laughs> you want to live like Jesus. You got to live like Jesus in the full content of what he did. Not just the teaching that he did on his way to the cross, but even the suffering that he went through in the process to get to the cross. Lord, help me down. I know y'all like that part. It was a little sting in my little flesh, too. And I, all I could do was say, Father, forgive me for getting rid of the betrayers. Now I understand that they are necessary for the process. It's necessary for them not to like you. It's necessary for them to devalue you. Yes, it is. It's necessary for them not to appreciate them, what you give to them. It's necessary. Why? Because when they act out or when they betray you, watch this, it causes you to want to draw closer to the Lord. Why? Because the hurt and the sting of their betrayal hurt so much, we don't know what else to do but to go to God. Can I be honest on this morning? If some of us wasn't stabbed in the back, if some of us didn't lose relationships, if some of us didn't have people out on us, we would not be as close to God as we are right now. It was in those betrayal moments that we dropped to our and say, Abba, Father, I need you. Daddy, I'm hurting. Daddy, I don't like this. Daddy, I thought they love me. Nevertheless, God, I'm coming to you because I need you. 
embrace it. Even when you have a doubt with somebody that you know, they talking about you. I dealt with, and y'all pray because my y'all know y'all know my faith ain't always it ain't all the way delivered. And, 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 and God has an answer. This Brown put me in the presence of some people I know was kicking my back in right before I walked through the door. And God was like, "Go ahead and give them a hug and do what I called you. Go ahead and give them the word." Y'all be honest. I was like, "Damn, you need to send somebody else." I ain't telling them nothing. <laughs> Not the way they lied on me, Jesus. I was like Moses. I I can't I can't I, I just no. I, you need to send Aaron. So that is some moments I've been looking for Aaron. Like, come on, come on, Jesus, Jesus, you you. You know, I'm not, I, I'm, when I'm mad, Jesus, I'm not the, the most eloquent Jesus. You know, I ain't, I ain't forget all them four-letter words, Jesus. You know, I ain't forget how to, how to fight Jesus. And I might give them this word and he might look at me the wrong way. And I don't know, uh, uh, Jesus, you know, <laughs> send somebody else. And the Lord said, no, daughter, if you want to serve me, you know, you always singing, all the glory belongs to you, or for your glory, I'll do anything. And then he put you in an anything situation, and you're like, hold up. I mean, like, that, Jesus. But if we going to serve with excellence, we got to do what Jesus did. Even when you know they don't like you embrace them. Even when you know they talk bad about you, embrace them. Even though you know that the, you might give a word, they may not receive the word, but that's really none of your business. You're still supposed to carry out the assignment that God has given you to impart the word and you still gotta embrace them. Surely it's some people in this season it's some people that have been in our lives for years and years and years and it feels like they drain the very life out of us and God is saying they're draining you because you don't understand their purpose. You're allowing them to drain you because you don't understand I sent them to be an assignment to strengthen you in your character so that you can serve me in excellence so that I can get the glory even when you're being broken, even when you're being betrayed, even when you're being lost, even when they leave your presence. I sent you and I sent them as an assignment to strengthen you. Some of us ain't strong because we're denying the assignments. Okay, let me go. Help me, Jesus. Verses 49 through 51. When those around saw what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Sometimes serving God with excellence requires you to bring restoration to those who sought to hurt and hinder you. Jesus could have easily let his ear stay in the ground. I mean, it's already off. It's already detached from his, the side of his face. Like, the tissues are already damaged. He probably already lost hearing her. Y'all getting ready to take me out? I mean, you lost your ear. That's, you know, you came out here with them. That's on you. But Jesus was like, no. Even though they came to hurt me, I'm going to bring restoration. Sometimes it's not enough to embrace them. Sometimes you got to be willing to allow God to use you as the conduit of restoration. Because you don't know why they are part. We don't know what he was, as a servant of the high priest, he was just doing what he was told to do. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. Some of us are mad at people for things they were just told to do. Not only does the servant God with excellence cause you to bring restoration to those who seek to hurt or hinder you, but it also causes you to cover the faults of one another and not cause exposure to their consequences. I'm going to say that again. Serving God with excellence not only requires you to bring restoration to those who sought to hinder and hurt you, but it also causes you to cover the faults of another and not cause exposure to their consequences. 
while we cannot always prevent others from facing their consequences, our covering them doesn't willingly expose them. I'm right here in the text. It says, one that was with the Lord took out their floor and cut off his ear. And when you read another gospel, it was Peter. <laughs> Hot-headed, big mouth, lying Peter. <laughs> you know, I said he's lying because he's like, I'll go with you into death before they even get Jesus to beat him. Peter's like, I don't know that dude. <laughs> Not only did Jesus pick up his ear to bring restoration, but he, I believe he picked up the ear for restoration and also covered the fault of his disciples. Because the truth is that had everybody seen what Peter had done, the rest of those that came to kill Jesus could have killed Peter in the garden. Yeah. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> Jesus not only brought restoration to the servant of the priest, but he covered the sin and the fault of Peter in the garden because there was an assignment for Peter after the garden. <laughs> Some of us, help us, Jesus. We talk too much. Just some of us covenant with one another in God, but don't really uphold the covenant in which we give. I can't. I don't know what I just said. <laughs> that went in my nose. I don't know what he just said. <laughs> but, but. <laughs> We gotta stop covenanting it with God and with each other and failing to uphold it. If his ear would have stayed on the ground and the other soldiers would have found that one of their own was injured, they could have very well taken Peter's life. But God, Christ did it in such a quick manner. He brought a quick restoration. Thank you, Holy Spirit. How many people in the room on this morning or even online are thanking God for a quick restoration? So quick that the enemy don't even see that what he did and had a momentary victory, but God turned everything around so quick that he didn't get no pleasure from knowing that he cut me. Now, because the Bible says no weapon formed against us will prosper. It never said it won't hurt. It never said it won't sting. It never said there'll, there'll be no fire from it. But what he said, it won't prosper. So sometimes you're going to be broken. Sometimes you're going to bleed. Sometimes there's going to be a scar, but it's not going to prosper. And God is bringing quick restoration. But not only that, he's covering the faults of the things that you did when you weren't supposed to do it in the presence of the very one who had the power to take you out. That's what he did for Peter. He covered him. And I want to know, do we have some real brothers and sisters of Christ in this building or online that's willing to cover one another? You know, because we do say it here in our covenant, we further engage to watch over one another and brotherly love to remember each other in prayer to aid each other in sickness and distress to cultivate Christian courtesy and sympathy and feeling and speak to be slow to take offense. We said we also engage to maintain family and secret devotion to religiously educate our children, to seek the salvation of our kindred and acquaintances, to walk circumspectly in the world, to be just in our dealings, faithful in our engagements and exemplary in our department. This is the part I want to get to. To avoid all tattletaling, backbiting, and excessive anger. And in other words, it says not needlessly exposing the infirmity of others when Christ picked up the servant's ear. That was him not needlessly for absolutely no reason at all. Uncovering the fact that Peter got besides himself and did something he didn't have no business doing. Are you strong enough to serve in excellence to cover your brother and sister when they fall short? Are you strong enough to serve one another in excellence that even when you're caught in a sin, you don't come and put and put heaps on them. You don't come and bury them. You don't come and expose them needlessly, but you pull them to the side and say, sis, I don't think you understand what you just did, but because I love you so much so, let me tell you the truth. God was not pleased with that, and he needs to turn from those evil and wicked ways. You ain't gotta go down into the line and be like, girl, did you see what she did? Uh-uh. You need to go to home and be like, girl, do you know what you just did? You need to go before the Father and ask him for forgiveness so that you can continue to be prepared for the assignment. We serve in excellence. Stop 
exposing the infirmities of others? Does that make it a mockery? Because we gotta, and I'm not saying any of us in the building or online do it, but I know we all see it. We make a mockery of the church out in the open. Things that occur at other people's services, things that we see people or know people doing in their private lives. We needlessly exposed instead of watchfully covering. Me not exposing you doesn't mean that I don't address you. Can we make that clear? If I see my brother or sister falling to a fault or to a sin, as a brother or sister, I am commanded to go to them in love as directed by the Holy Spirit to call them to repentance, to call them to a place where they recognize their shortcomings and pray with them that the God delivers them from what they're going through. Not needlessly telling everybody else what you saw and what you heard, covering them so that they can be restored. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Spirit. Some of the stuff that we see going on in the, lives of, in the lives of people are really the manifestation of the things in the heart of God's people that's still existing, that they haven't been freed from. So while you see you, you see what they do, you don't understand why they do it. And the reason that we go to cover them, this is what serving with excellence does. We go to cover them so we can help them come up out of some things. Stop exposing everybody just because you don't like them. Stop exposing people because they sin differently than you. Your sin is just as dirty as theirs. Because, you know, we like to be like, well, I ain't do that, but you're still dirty. <laughs> it's still a sin to you may not do it like you're used to, but if you're still doing it to any degree, you're still dirty. We like to give ourselves a way out. Well, I don't do it like I used to. I do it every now and again and every now and again. You're still dirty. And you need to ask God to heal and deliver you. All right, I'm through. I got one more chapter. One, one more verse. If you hadn't noticed, I kind of skipped over a verse and, and God had me skip over it on purpose. And that's verse 44. And then we're going to go home. <laughs> yes, God. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. But when he rose up from prayer. It is possible in this text that Jesus experienced such extreme internal pressure from the intensity of the prayer. Because of the full understanding of the fulfillment of the assignment that he burst a blood vessel that began pouring out as drops of blood. And if you have even the slightest inkling of a blood vessel bursting in your brain, it's, it's technically called an aneurysm. And an aneurysm has the propensity to cut off the oxygen to your brain and cause immediate death. Because of some type of pressurized buildup in the brain or a blood clot that has traveled to the brain. Here it is, Jesus is in so much anguish over the assignment of the cross that the Bible says he began to sweat drops of blood. Yet, he got up. He prayed and he got up. He knelt down with anguish, but he also knelt down with authority. I'm going to say that again. He knelt down with anguish, but he also knelt down 
with authority. His humanity was in anguish, but his divinity had still had full authority. His humanity had anguish, but his divinity still had full authority. Anguish of his flesh that he could not handle the weight of the assignment, but the authority to rise up in this moment and shift from process to purpose. Let me help you understand. It is in this moment, it is in this process, this whole story that we see unfold is just the middle part of Christ's process to get to the cross. It was necessary for Judas to betray him. It was necessary for the disciples to fail him. It was necessary for him to surrender his will to that of the fathers. It was necessary for them to come and to arrest him, to prepare to take him to Golgotha's hill. But what I love about this text is although he knelt down in anguish, he got up. And I need somebody in this room, somebody under the sound of my voice to understand no matter what bursts in your life from the pressure of the assignment, it's time to get up. No no matter what you're going through, no matter who has walked away, no matter the pain that you feel, it is time to get up. Yes, you got anguish in your humanity, but the authority that is in you through Christ Jesus, through the impartation of the Holy Spirit. Come on, I need y'all to give me something a little bit more upbeat than that. In the name of Jesus, you got to get up. Hallelujah. It is time to understand that anguish don't stop the authority. That anguish can't block God's authority. That anguish
Get up, get up, get up! 